Amen. Thank you, Brother Tommy. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. I think we've well established that and understand that today. The word Advent means the coming or the arrival of one. The focus of this season is celebrating the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ, anticipated for 400 years in particular, from the time of the writing of Malachi until the coming of the Savior, there had been silence from God, and yet he had a promise that he was going to fulfill in the hope of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate his birth at the first advent, but we anticipate him coming again at his second advent that we covered for several weeks prior to entering to the Thanksgiving season and now the Christmas season. In celebrating a truth, the revelation of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all men might be reconciled to God through what he did for us on the cross, in the grave, and through the resurrection he has provided for us. It confirms that Jesus has indeed come, that he is present in the world today, and that he will come again in the future as we talk about Advent. The Advent wreath that is before you, that we have the first uh, candle already burning today, has five candles, four around the center candle, the center candle being representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, the white candle, and those others will speak of a different hope and a phrase of peace, hope, and love and joy that we have anticipating the arrival of the Lord that we look back on now in this time of Advent. The circle of the wreath reminds us that God himself has made the promise and that it is an endless promise that he's made for eternity and he offers endless mercy upon and for all who will believe on him as Lord and Savior. The green of the wreath speaks of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, the hope of life, the hope of eternal life. The candles, they represent and symbolize the light of God coming into the world in the form of the birth of his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the four outer candles, of course, represent the time of waiting, the period of waiting during the four Sundays of Advent as we introduce a new way of seeing and, and, and understanding God's promise being fulfilled, which themselves symbolize the four centuries of waiting between the prophet Malachi and the birth of the Lord Jesus. The center candle, as I mentioned, the white one, is called the Christ candle. Its central location reminds us that his coming is the heart of the season. His coming to earth is what even gives us the, the joy of celebrating this time of Christmas. He's the light of the world. The candle's light reminds us Jesus is the light of the world that comes into the darkness of our lives 
and brings newness, forgiveness, and life, not only now, but forever. He gives to all who would trust him and believe on him. The progression in lighting the candles symbolizes the various aspects of our waiting experience as we walk through this season of Advent. As the candles are lighted over the four-week period, they symbolize the darkness of fear and hopelessness receding each a little more each Sunday as more and more light is shed by the candles as they are lighted and representing the light coming in to this world. The candle's light remind us that Jesus is the light of the world and that he came that we may not always walk in darkness, but we can walk in the light and know God in a personal way. The progression of the light in the candles symbolizes the various aspects, as I said a minute ago, of our experience. As the candles are lighted over the four-week period, they symbolize, as I mentioned, the darkness fading, the hopelessness receding, and the hope and the joy and the peace that we have of the love of God working in our lives. Finally, the light that is coming to the world is celebrated through the lighting of the Christ candle as we enter the week of Christmas Day. Today, as we've already heard from Kimmy, we light the candle of hope. The prophets of Israel have, will, have had all spoken of the coming of the Christ and of how a Savior would be born and be born a king in the line of David. On Christmas Day, Christ, our hope, was born. During the week preceding Easter, the Christ of our hope died. And then on Easter Sunday, the Christ of our hope was risen from the dead and offers life and forgiveness and hope to everyone that would trust in him as Lord and Savior. We light this candle to remind us and to be alert and to watch for his return. Not just the celebration of his coming as the babe of Bethlehem, but the return of Christ to receive his church unto his own and to be with him for eternity. The prophecies of hope, we look at that today of the hope of the first advent. Throughout biblical history, as we study the word, prior to Christ's birth, God's people hoped, longed for, looked for a Messiah and fully trusted that a Savior was coming, that they would be rescued and they looked for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope. According to Webster's Dictionary, if you can rely on that, is to cherish a desire with expectation of fulfillment, to long for with expectation of obtainment, desire accompanied by expectation of fulfillment, accompanied 
by the expectation of fulfillment. This hope was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. For instance, the seed that resulting in his birth, this prophecy was given to the very one, to the very one Christ would come to destroy in his death on the cross and his resurrection. It was given to Satan himself. Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between you and a woman, the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. We find that fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, Now the birth on Jesus Christ is as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Not only was the seed resulting in his birth promised, but the virgin birth was promised in God's word. The Savior would not come from man through whom sin entered the world, but rather from woman, a virgin. The prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. The fulfillment of that promise is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 35, when it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, the angel tells to Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Even the place of his birth was prophesied. The Savior would come from a specific location, Bethlehem. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, the prophecy is given, For you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And that fulfillment of that prophecy is found in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The prophecies of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his first advent, if you'll remember back before Thanksgiving, as I mentioned earlier, we were looking at the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, his second appearing when he comes to get the church, to rapture the church, to take the believers home, to, to raise the dead in Christ, which are in the graveyards and their bodies are asleep, as he, it is referred to in the, in the scriptures but he comes to raise them and to gather up believers from all over this world who are living on the planet that day 
and we, he will take us. And that is his second advent. There are actually three different appearances of Jesus that are mentioned in the book of Hebrews in particular. And that will be when he comes again with power and glory will be the third one and set up his earthly kingdom and reign for a thousand years will be his third coming to earth. But if we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do so in expectation of his coming the second time. We celebrate his first coming because in his first coming, he gives us hope of the second coming. We celebrate his first coming because in his first coming, he gives us the prophecies of his second coming, the statements that he made about his coming again. We celebrate the, his first coming because in the first coming, he gave us the promise that he would come back again to receive us. We celebrate the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because in that coming, he promised us that we would have life everlasting with him and there would be no end to it. And he promised us that the former things will have passed away. All things will be made new when we see Jesus. What an anticipation. In the second advent, even as all aspects of Christ's first advent were prophesied, so too is the second advent. In the book of Hebrews in particular, three distinct appearings, as I mentioned before, are given and they're noted. Among the thousands of promises the Bible contains, though that, those that came directly from Jesus are among the most precious to our hearts and to our ears. Many of them have already been fulfilled in the history of the church. For instance, in prophecy of John 14, 16, and 17, he talks about the giving of the Holy Spirit of God. And he predicted that of the, you know, I'll send the comforter and he will teach you, he will guide you, he will bless you. And that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost as it's given in chapter 2 of Acts. And he promised in the gospel that he was going to build his church. He gave that as a future tense, that he was after he's through with his being here the first time, when he's finished with his suffering and his death, when he's finished with his resurrection, and when he ascends back to the Father in heaven, he promises the building of the church that he's been building for over 2,000 years now, working, bringing folks into the kingdom of God through the work of his Holy Spirit that he promised and was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And he's been building the church ever since. We see him building the church right here. There are times when folks come forward, and we just went through a season during the summer with Vacation Bible School, and other lives of young adults and young people were impacted. And we baptized several folks after that week of Bible school that came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's still building his church. He's still saving people and fulfilling the promise that he's given us of his saving and building a church. It was a future work, but it began to be built 
during the New Testament days. And it started the day of Pentecost and will continue until Jesus comes again. But as we've mentioned several times in the past, talking about that glorious advent of his second coming, we celebrate the first coming because of the hope that he brought us. We celebrate his first coming because of the price that he paid for us on the cross. We celebrate his first coming because of the promises that he gave us in his ministry and his teachings. We celebrate his first coming because of the strength that we draw from the Lord Jesus Christ's gift of the Holy Spirit who directs us and leads us every day. We celebrate his first coming because of the peace and the hope and the joy that we have in Christ Jesus as we have received him as our Lord and Savior, as he inhabits our very beings as, as the Lord God of our lives. And we celebrate that every Sunday we come together. We celebrate his death on the cross. We celebrate his resurrection from the dead. We celebrate his ascension into glory. And we anticipate with celebration his coming with, to receive us unto himself. What a glorious truth we find as he promises his return for his church. The third promise was given when Jesus was gathered with his 11 apostles in the upper room. That third promise, he's, the first one was what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. The second was what? That he's built his church. The third one was of him coming again. You remember him being with his disciples, don't you? You've read that so many times. I've quoted John 14, the first six verses, so many times. Where Jesus is with them, they've heard his teachings. They've seen his miracles. They've watched the response of those that heard the truth. They've seen folks come to faith and believe on him. They've seen the lame be made to walk again. They have seen the sick to be made well. They've seen the blind to be made to see again. They have seen the dead come back to life in the ministry of Jesus. But yet he says, this is a part of my, my, my ministry that you can't participate in. What I'm about to walk through, you can't go with me. I'm going to have to do it alone, and I'm going to leave you. But it was in that same talking with them that he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to comfort you. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. He's going to indwell every believer. And of course, as I said a minute ago, that promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And now when someone believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, they receive the gift that he promised, that promise is fulfilled in the individual when you receive the Holy Spirit who lives in you when you believe on Jesus as Lord and Savior. But he said this about that third promise. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, here it is, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also. And whither you go, no, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Of course, Thomas sort of personifies some of us, doesn't he? He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Listen to what he said. We don't know where you're going. How in the world could we know the way when we don't even know where you're going? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one will ever come to the Father but by me. He gave them such a truth, a, such a promise, that he, if he goes away, he will come again to receive his followers unto himself. He's provided a way through his death on the cross. He has provided a promise that is a reminder to us every day we live as Christians that we have the indwelling Holy Spirit who guides us and comforts us and gives us hope and encourages us and gives us faith every day that we are indeed the children of God, that we are indeed saved, and that we have the promise of the Savior that he's coming again. I don't know when that day is going to be. You know, we think about that, and, and if you get to thinking about it, you, it, it may just start bothering you. Why didn't Jesus tell us? Why didn't he just tell us? Why didn't he just tell us that Stan was going to be here, and he was going to be 83 years old? Isn't that your age, brother? Okay. No. <laughs> that he was going to be here? He, what if he said that? He didn't give us that. He just I leave my promise with you. The promise that I'll give you the Holy Spirit. And by God's wonderful work on the day of Pentecost, that promise was fulfilled. And let me tell you something. Every time someone believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, that promise, promise is fulfilled afresh. All over again, receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit. He also promised, as I mentioned ago, a little bit ago, that he's going to build his church. But you know, he gave a formula for that. He gave a formula for that. He sent the Holy Spirit to convict folks and to draw them to faith in Christ. Indeed, he did. But he also sent his followers. He sends his church to go into the world and to teach the truth and give testimony of what is going on in our hearts, in our lives. Give testimony of having received Christ as our Savior Give testimony that he has given us peace 
in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's given us hope in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And later we'll look at he gives us joy in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he indwells us through the indwelling Holy Spirit and gives us the peace, the hope, the joy, and reminds us of the love of the Father. Fulfilling his promise over and over and over again. But the promise of his coming, we've not yet experienced. Did you know that 23 of the 27 books of the New Testament talks about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Did you know the doctrine of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned more than any other fundamental doctrine in all of the Word of God? And it is mentioned 318 times in the New Testament. And yet it's the least popular of all of the doctrines of the scriptures. I want you to know, well, I don't have to tell you the first part of that. You have a strange pastor. But what I mean by that, you won't find one in a hundred that'll ever mention the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus. Not mentioned from the pulpit. But yet it's talked about in the New Testament more than any other doctrine of the Christian faith. It's ignored. We live as though it's a fairy tale that will never come true. We live as though that it's not something that we have to worry about. We're just going to live. We're going to get old. We're going to die. We're going to be buried. And our soul's going to go to live to be with Jesus. And we just leave it at that. But as I talked to you about several times through the study on the coming of Jesus for the rapture of the church, it's going to take place. It's going to take place, he says, in an hour when you least expect it. He said it's going to take place. And he promises that his word will not pass away, but that it all will be fulfilled. I believe even in this Advent season, when we celebrate the most wonderful gift that has ever been given, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ and him coming, that we have the greatest thing to look forward to that we could ever know, and that is the second appearance, the second advent, advent, the second coming of Jesus. May that be your motivation during the Christmas season. May that be your motivation in decorating your home. May that be the motivation of you giving gifts or wrapping them and putting them under your Christmas tree. 
May that be your, your motivation for coming to church on Sundays during this Advent season that we have already known of his coming before. We know him as Lord and Savior. We know what he's done for us is real and it's changed my life. It's changed my heart. It's changed my destiny. And can we say we know that he's promised he'll come again. There is a second advent. And may our joy in this first remembrance, this remembrance of the first advent, I should say, may that joy, may it progress and grow in the anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when we will see him in all of his glory. For that truth, can we say amen? Let's pray together. Father, we remember the last words that Jesus ever spoke that are recorded in the Word of God are found in the 22nd chapter of the Revelation. Behold, I come quickly, he said, Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Behold, I come quickly. Lord, our prayer is, in the midst of all that we experience today, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. May that be the palpitation of our hearts. May that be the desire of our minds and may our lives reflect honestly and unashamedly our looking forward to and expecting the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. We long for it. We believe it. We anticipate it. And we thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name.